Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, November the 12th. I'm Richard Woolley and today I'm going to be speaking to Shan Qureshi, Senior Legal Analyst in Reorg's London office, about Swiss baggage handler Swissport's new scheme of arrangement proceedings. First though, I want to offer a recap on recent developments at Ukrainian energy firm DTEC. This week, Reorg's senior team reported that DTEC's 2024 senior pick toggle notes had fallen to 63 from 71 in September. Investors want the company to issue a new bond out of sister company DTEC Oil & Gas to benefit from a $550 million loan receivable owed to DTEC Energy. The company, however, opposes this and is expected to send a counter-proposal soon, according to sources. It's still unclear whether DTEC will build on, creditors, on the creditor's proposal or draft a completely new revised plan. DTEC Energy is working with Latham and Watkins and Houlihan Loki. Now, DTEC has been in discussions with its creditors since March when it suspended interest payments. DTEC has, among other things, proposed an amend and extend solution in which its debt maturities, being $1.34 billion of outstanding uh, bond debt and a further $570.9 million in loan facilities, would be pushed back to 2030 and accompanied by an interest rate cut in both cases. The group also proposed a liquidity contingent payment structure and no repayments of the oil and gas loan receivable before 2023. This was rejected by creditors who have sought to add additional security to the 2024 bond to gain access to the funds being circulated between DTEC companies. DTEC Energy's liquidity is under severe pressure, with the equivalent of just $7.67 million of cash recorded as of the end of June. The company faces substantial operating and capex commitments, but also holds a material trade receivable due to unpaid bills from the SE guaranteed buyer, a state-owned electricity off-taker. DTEC is the largest vertically integrated energy company in Ukraine and is responsible for some 70% of coal energy production. And, as we reported, some have argued this places it in the spotlight of an investigation into the so-called Rotterdam Plus energy pricing formula ordered by the High Anti-Corruption Court of Ukraine on October 27th. The formula sets prices in Ukraine based on the price of coal according to the indices at the hub of Rotterdam and adds the cost of its delivery to Ukraine. Critics have called the pricing formula unreasonable and open to exploitation because Ukraine, a coal-producing country, only imports a very small amount of its coal. Some anti-corruption activists in the country have alleged that DTEC and its owner Renat Akhmetov have especially benefited from pricing structures that have allowed it to use cheap Ukrainian coal but charge more to energy consumers. DTEC and Akhmetov have repeatedly denied wrongdoing in relation to the Rotterdam Plus formula and also denied allegations of involvement in the formula's introduction into Ukrainian law. DTEC said in September that the company has consistently supported the introduction of transparent rules for the electricity and coal markets and denied allegations published in the Kiev Post that it created the Rotterdam Plus coal import formula and, quote, colluded with the regulator to make it law. Our senior team is going to be following the company closely in future, and I encourage any interested listeners to get in touch with them uh, to discuss it further. Turning then to Swissport, uh, the company was back in the English High Court on Tuesday of this week for the convening hearing of its new scheme of arrangement, the second one it's used so far. Shankareshi was watching both sets of proceedings and he gave me this background on the situation. So in June this year, Swissport needed new liquidity to help its business operations during the COVID-19 pandemic. And this is when it used its first scheme. 
The group's debt documents didn't feature a basket for super senior debt incurrence, so the group used a combination of a contractual and non-contractual restructuring to create a new super senior debt basket. The company needed the consent of a simple majority of its senior secured note holders to create this basket, and the group successfully used a consent solicitation to amend the notes. Its loan documents and its intercreditor agreement required 100% consent of credit lenders to be amended to allow the creation of the new basket. So the group, not being able to obtain that level of consent, used a scheme to, to, used a scheme to non-contractually amend the documentation. The SSN holders and the credit lenders were both able to participate in the new super scheme funding. However, an issue arose because the group's senior unsecured note holders were not consulted by the company with respect to the amendments. Now, the company was of the view that the consent of the sons was not required to amend the intercredit agreement. The Swissport group had structured the scheme so that the scheme proponent was a secured notes guarantor and not actually a borrower under the sons. Shortly after the scheme arrangement, a sub-fund of sun-holder Northlight Capital made a petition in the New York court, New York Supreme Court, resisting the purported amendment of the intercredit agreement. Now, the second scheme, which is being heard now, seeks to implement a much deeper restructuring whereby secured debt would be equitised and the sons would effectively be wiped out. And a group of sons is again challenging Swissport's second scheme, correct? A group of holders of Swissport's sons says it could challenge the group's scheme of arrangement at the upcoming scheme sanction hearing. The High Court allowed the Swiss Aviation Services Company to proceed to the creditors' meeting stage with a single, single class of secured creditors on Tuesday of this week. The Sun Group filed a skeleton agreement at the convening hearing, in which it claimed that Swissport's cho- choice to use a guaranteed subsidiary as the scheme proponent, rather than a borrower subsidiary, was designed to avoid having to ask for Sun consent to implement the amendments, amendments proposed. This precedent, established in the group's June scheme of, scheme of arrangement, has not yet been challenged in the English court, and the court still has discretion as to whether or not to exercise jurisdiction to sanction the Swissport scheme. The Suns argue that the going concern value provided by Grant Thornton shows a recovery of between 45 and 55% for the SSNs, while the SSNs are valued significantly higher, according to sources. The SSNs and ad hoc group holding has risen significantly from about 40% to about 84% in the last three months. The Suns argue that, commercially, there is a mismatch between the valuation provided and the actions of the SSN holders who have continued purchasing the SSNs. What view does the company take on all this? Does it think there's any merit in the Suns' claims? In its skeleton argument, the Swissport Scheme Company dismissed the Suns' group's position and noted it had requested the identity of the Sun noteholders as a matter of open justice. The company also argued that it is difficult to see how the Sun creditors can succeed in opposing the scheme, either at the convening hearing or the sanction hearing. The Swissport Scheme Company refutes the Suns' group's claims arguing that it wouldn't recover anything if the scheme and the restructuring didn't proceed. The company went as far as to say that the Sun creditors would not come close to making any recovery, since the scheme creditors, who rank above the Sun creditors, would only recover about 16% of their own debt in the high case of an uncoordinated insolvency scenario. As such, the Suns do not have any economic value. Okay, so what can we expect then from Swissport's sanction hearing? Good question. I think unless the Sun Group settles with the company before the hearing, we can expect a Sun challenge. The Suns essentially have two broad grounds of attack. The first being that the structure used by the company is essentially unfair to the Suns and that the precedent set in the June scheme should be overturned. The second ground is that the valuation provided by the company is not accurate 
And in reality, an expected recovery in the aviation industry means that the Suns would be expected to receive some value. The Suns could provide their own valuation to the court as evidence. Interested listeners can find out more about each of these situations as well as our comprehensive coverage of what I think has been a very busy and interesting third quarter earnings season on the Reorg website, reorg.com. We'll be back with some more audio content in a couple of weeks' time, but until then, thank you very much for listening and stay safe.